0: Welcome to The Diamond Mine with David Fuller, a podcast from the Rough Diamond Academy. Hello and welcome to The Diamond Mine. My name is David Fuller, for those who don't know me. And today my guest is Shelley Cass. And Shelley is, uh, well, I guess a school teacher by day and an author by, I don't know,
1: any other minute?
0: Any other minute? Exactly. <laughs> Welcome, Shelley. Great to have you. Thank you. So, full disclosure: Shelley is a friend of my eldest daughter, Elise, and Elise came home—I don't know, a few months back, It might have been longer. I don't know—with these books. I'll hold up one. There's three of them in this series, which is called, the series is called
1: a fairy's tale.
0: A fairy's tale. I'm going to have a crack at this. Now, for the people not watching this video, you don't know what I'm holding up if you're listening on audio only. Lanerity. Well done. The last Lanerity. The last Lanerity. And so, all right, let's backtrack. So, my daughter comes in with this series of books. This is what Shelly's written. And I'm like, really? Your friend Shelley? She's like, I said, wow she's a writer, she's an author, this is amazing, um, which kind of blew me away because I got kind of an inkling of what it is to write stuff. Like I'm a different kind of writer, I write, but the thought of writing a novel, let alone a series, mm. is kind of mind-boggling to me. When did you start writing? And let's, let's yeah, how did this happen?
1: So this was... A half my life long project. Um, the last linearity um, popped into my head in I was in year eight, um, so I was about fourteen years old, going on fifteen. This is a
0: couple of years ago.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've poured half my life into it. I no wonder if I've got so many grey hairs.
0: <laughs> oh wow. You- well, people can't, listening, can't necessarily see that. I've got plenty of those. Don't worry about grey hairs. They're fine.
1: Beyonce <laughs> had some fun trying to work out how to colour my head in the other day. <laughs> of
0: course, awesome, I should tell people that. So we're, you're in Melbourne, like I am? Yes. And so what's the 17th of August today? So we are in stage four lockdown here. Yeah. Which, which, for those of you who aren't in stage four lockdown, basically means we can't go anywhere or do anything.
1: <laughs>
0: Pretty much we get, what, an hour a day to go for exercise Within a five-kilometer radius of the house—that's as far as we can travel, unless we're deemed uh, an essential worker who has to go to work. Yeah. Um, so you're in lockdown, like like me. Yep,
1: yeah, and I've just got to rely on Jared to dye my hair.
0: And he's doing a fine job.
1: Okay. He did. I thought he did well. Yes, he was I... stressing.
0: <laughs> well, when we're out of lockdown, he can come do mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, so we're in lockdown. We can and We really can't go anywhere. Um, mm. So that's kind of where we're at. So we might come back to that because I'll talk about lockdown and writing in a minute. But so you, you see, what? You're year eight. You're
1: year eight. Yeah.
0: What are you? in year eight.
1: About fourteen. Yeah, going 14.
0: on fifteen. Wow. So how does a fourteen-year-old decide to write a novel?
1: And, I was just. Um, I loved reading already. I I was the mousy little kid in the class that just didn't really say much and was always in my head um and reading was an escape and then I, I could always just see these different scenes in my head that I hadn't read about yet um I just had a really good imagination and um Kiana who is the last La Narrative, popped into my head um I could hear her voice I could um I could see her holding her bow ready to shoot um and then the images and words started to flow and i just had to kind of write them down and at year eight they were not written down very well but they were there <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow so you it's sort of she came fully formed as a character you could
1: visualize her yeah well it's, it's hard i think like her her face is kind of shadowy but it doesn't matter that I don't know exactly what she looks like. I know who she is. Um, yeah. Well, I haven't bit. got an actress in my head going, oh, that's Kiana."
0: <laughs> well, hopefully one day you might have to have that uh, that problem of finding one. Thank okay. you. Has she become more defined over the years for you? I mean, we're talking a number of years since your age. Well, I won't tell how many. that You've kind of given it away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I think she's better at um, saying what she means now. So uh, while I was growing up, these books were growing up with me. So the first book is Kiana, her story, her um, evolution from this really um, serious and isolated character, this huntress. Um, And then when she meets her princes, And she finishes her story in book one. It takes us to book two, which is Dallin, um, the Raiden. So that's about his evolution from the the struggling youth um, worrying about his masculinity and if he's good enough and facing a a world war crisis kind of thing. you
0: will never
1: get over that. (laughs) Yeah, never. (laughs) Uh, And then the third book is Noel. So... His is where the Army for the World comes together and, and there's a, a prophecy. They are the three. There's three books. Each character gets their own kind of awakening in each book. Um, but Noel in the prophecies is the one that brings them all together and that's what goes on in the last book.
0: Wow. And did you have that in mind when you first started writing it or did that just I sort of so happen?
1: <laughs> Not at all. No. <laughs> was just shooting at stuff, so I've had to work out.
0: Well, a narrative, I mean, I think, I don't know, for me, it kind of has that hint and you've called it the fairy's tale. So um, was it drawn in any way, shape or form from the fae, from the, you know, the, from the fairy world in your- Yeah,
1: I knew, I, well, I wanted it to be fairy tale characters. I wanted there to be normal human beings in it, um, but I wanted to go maybe a little bit further um, than, you know, Lord of the Rings kind of stuff um, and really pick apart characters that we've known since childhood. Um, So, you know, you have your giants in there, you have your nymphs and dragons and um, putting them in as major characters interacting to kind of represent maybe different parts of the world, Um, like that there are different cultures going on.
0: So were you already reading this sort of stuff by year eight? You talk, you mentioned Lord of the Rings.
1: I was all over Lord of the Rings. My mum had this beautiful, <laughs> original, gorgeous, all of the books in one copy. And she I, thought, 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 I was know. in grade four or five. She trusted me with this massive, beautiful book and I dropped it down the stairs and it broke.
0: Well, the spine would have broken. They, 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 yeah, yeah. Another, another one. I know the one. I've
1: for that for years. And it took me one borrow when it was done.
0: That's the way it goes. That's books. though I, I actually had, I think, a copy like that somewhere, but I also have a beautiful, like, individual set that a good friend of mine um, gave me for my 21st. Nice. Lovely, you know, little notes in it. So I treasure that because um, she passed several years ago. So I'm I mean, going to really, really like, I love Lord of the Rings. So I was, like... Fifteen or six, probably sixteen, I think, when I read Lord of the Rings, and it was a heavy read. Then, but yeah, you've already read it by fourteen.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I really, really loved my books. Um, my, I hated the drive to school. I was always a really anxious kid, um, and Mum would be driving me to school and i would hold her hand in the car so she would We'd both be obviously in front of the car i'd have my book in one hand blocking out the fact that i was getting driven to school and her hand in the other because i couldn't really block it out
0: <laughs> no wow uh, look and i can really relate to this uh, not so much the anxiety in the car but um the reading i was a you know a big reader from probably year four on i discovered reading. It's almost like I got permission from, a, from my, my my teacher, my grade four teacher, who was a nun, to read, and I just started reading everything, and I loved fantasy. Like, um, I was to think there was a, ooh, can I can sort of visualise the book. It was uh, sort of a sci-fi dystopian type thing. Even at that age, I loved that genre, and I still do. I still love sci-fi and fantasy and all things along those lines. So I was a big reader too, but um, I didn't really discover... Well, it was most probably science fiction you know I was reading Asimov at 14 or 15 and but I discovered Lord of the Rings at 16 and that set me on a path of reading fantasy probably for the next 20 years yeah well, I read nothing but fantasy for the
1: yeah.
0: it was interesting enough my mother hated that right so she'd be like oh I shouldn't be freaked out that I've read science fiction or fantasy why don't you read something decent she'd say so I'm curious <laughs> you're writing this did you get any sort of pushback on on you know the fact that you're reading a lot disappearing into books or writing um, what was that journey like for you
1: um it was it was natural it just felt normal um because I never really thought it was going to go anywhere. It was just you know like you always did things like you know you had. Um, creative writing time in school like I just felt I was just doing that kind of thing Um, and my my family are all very like you do what you want to do to be happy and you know everyone just kind of fits in together Um, and I've tried I've tried a few times to get away from fantasy like every other book that I've written um, I've tried to challenge myself with different genres but I can't help but have a fantasy twist in there. So um, I've written a, a dystopian sci-fi kind of book but it just turned out that there is this um, this fallen star who it surrounds. <laughs> so he's in the sci-fi world but it's, it's surrounding a magical being. Well, they um, don't,
0: is there a prophecy in that one?
1: Not in that one, no. <laughs>
0: You didn't quite get all the uh, the fantasy stuff in there. there's totally. no Prophecy, there's there's no codex that you've got to work from. So.
1: Well,
0: yeah.
1: I tried an erotica, and really, how can you put fantasy in that? But I did.
0: <laughs> okay, erotica.
1: No. Okay,
0: we're going to explore this a little bit.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can't let you get away with that. So that
1: one, that one definitely did not start that when I was fourteen. That one was last year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good.
1: But um, yeah, that one. It's based around the concept that um, at at the very start of time, um, man's first dark deeds birthed these dark creatures called darklings, um, and it's their their exploits that we're following.
0: So it's fantasy, fantasy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but set in a set in a very gritty modern world. Um, so I've tried Proper Fantasy, that is the A Fairy's Tale series. Then I've tried Sci Fi, popped a little fantasy in there, and Erotica and oh, it works
0: for you, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> who's who's your what who are your inspirations, the authors that you love?
1: Um, there's an author called Megan Whalen Turner who wrote um The Thief series. And no, when I, I don't think it's it's not something that a lot of people necessarily have gone, oh, I've definitely heard of her. She has a very like cult-like following. I'm I'm not that bad. But um, we've been following her journey because I I read her first book in year eight and it was actually what made me so hungry to write for myself her book, The Thief. Um, And she's it's been like 20 years or something she she takes every year she's like i'm going to be releasing the new book this year and then just when it's meant to be released she says maybe one or two more years so we're all just clinging on
0: gosh there's a a few authors like that around i think um, think is uh, mr martin still trying to write the last of the game of thrones isn't
1: he yeah i think so
0: uh, despite the fact that the T V series has come and gone. <laughs> but now he
1: <laughs> you knows not what not to do, so <laughs>
0: well that's true. That's true. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, and he's not Robert Jordan's another one that comes to mind. And I think I was reading The Wheel of Time, and I think I got up to book seven or eight and I realised he was nowhere near finished. And I thought, I'll yeah. get away. I'm not reading any more of this and, and, until he is done. And yeah. unfortunately he sadly passed before he finished the last books. So it was ghostwritten. I'm mean, like, but I still haven't read them. I must get back to them. Wonderful series, but
1: I'd be curious uh, how how um
0: well, apparently this apparently it's pretty good, but I but I haven't um well, I think there was a nice it was all laid out. Oh. Uh, I think they knew where it was going.
1: Okay. I
0: think could be wrong. But I do love an epic. Yeah. You know. Um so three in this one. Now any plans to revisit this and come back
1: No, this story's done. They did I'm it. Done
0: yeah no that's that's fair enough i remember <laughs> you mentioned science fiction one of my favorite science fiction books from was, you know, 14 to 15 when i first read it was isaac Asimov's the foundation series okay. a trilogy and it was a trilogy until it wasn't because 40 years later he wrote the last three books Oh, double trilogy 40 <laughs> years on maybe i'll
1: do it you when you know. Know. another 15
0: years yeah <laughs> you never know you might want to revisit it um so you know I mentioned earlier that you you're a school teacher by day is your big dream to to be an author full time is that would you love to do that or is it
1: I would love I would love if that would happen um but I don't I don't know if maybe I could incorporate some elements of what I get out of teaching into um a life as an author because um it's a very isolated kind of career. Like um, all my hobbies are very isolated. It's very sad because I cannot divide my mind when I'm writing if, if there's things going on around me. Um, I find it very hard. Can't have the TV on in the background. I've, sometimes music is helpful, but most of the time it's not. Um, so even though I wish I was listening to lots of music or able to chat to people, I, I get really frustrated because my mind will not divide um, beyond the story.
0: Let's explore that a little bit because I can really relate to this. As, as you know, I'm a, a writer, I'm a musician. This is, this is my 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 room, my workroom, my, my cave, my studio. I spend a lot of time out here in isolation. Mm-hmm. As, as apparently we're all in isolation, but I haven't noticed yet. I haven't come <laughs> out to find out. Um, so I'm, I'm used to that sort of solitary existence i'm a very social person but i used to being on my own and um i'm the same i can't so my day job if you like is you know websites and marketing and that sort of stuff and i'm often writing code i can't generally even play music when i'm doing that
1: Mm.
0: i need silence yeah to to do that i need that focus
1: it's kind Um, of maybe as an author as a full-time job it it would be better because at the moment I just feel a bit guilty that I'm at work all day and then if I want to do my writing that means that I can't really see anyone so I feel a bit guilty and torn when I'm writing um, because it means that I've put my work and then my hobby before social events or before anything else.
0: Yeah, I can relate to this too. Okay, so let's let's maybe explore that a little bit. Um, do you actually get like pushback on 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 that sort of stuff? You know, is that is that an issue? Have you always had support through that?
1: Oh, well, there's so much support. My life is dripping in support. Wonderful. Um, but in my own head, and also it's very hard, even when people are very supportive, for them to to just be like, okay, well, we'll never see you then. Fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Uh, That's she, not how it she's works. Off in, she's off in writing
1: land. Again. Uh, so, like, yeah, it's it's hard. To, you you can't turn down social events. So it, it all often goes um, that the thing that I really need to get out is my writing, but I have to get my work done first. Then I have to do my social commitment kind of stuff and keep keep my loved ones supported as well. And then if I'm not too drained, and if my brain is still working, maybe I can smash out a page.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you have a process for that? Is there a particular, um, you know, happy place you sit to write, or um, just wherever you can grab it?
1: Yeah, it's just wherever works. Um, uh, at the, like, for remote learning, with school at the moment, um, quickly set up a home office. So, at the moment, that's the go-to but i um, working on an audiobook version of one of them at the moment. My life was this wardrobe behind <laughs> me. Um, and that, that's actually probably been the most successful because who's going to come into a wardrobe to interrupt you? <laughs> oh,
0: that's so funny. I, I, I'll let you know a little secret. Um, I'm sure there's maybe perhaps one listener out there listening to this who's actually heard my, my, my album that I released last year. Um, quite a lot of the vocals on that album were sung into the wardrobe in our back room because yes. this room wasn't available to me back then. My mother-in-law lived here. This was a granny flat. And I had nowhere to record. It. So I, I, I would sing into when well, no one was home. I'd get home from seeing a client or whatever. I'd rush and do a vocal while I had silence in the house. Yes. I would sing into a wardrobe so I'd get the deadening. Yeah of so the sound that the clothing would absorb it. So wardrobes yeah. are very handy things.
1: They are very handy. Mine's got dunas hanging up so that it nice,
0: nice and nice dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's very good. So otherwise you get that like and he's quite live, um getting a that dead sounds really important for doing a, a, a voice only. Mm. So you're recording your own <laughs> audio version of um, is it this book or a
1: different book? No, I so, say um, Awakened Dreamer, the sci-fi dystopian right. one. Um, yeah, that's the most recent kind of hobby project. Um, oh. Yeah, It's very time-consuming, though. Who knew how many spit bubbles can exist within a mouth? <laughs> it's pretty gross trying to edit.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, as someone who has to listen to his own voice as well in the editing booth, uh, turns out there's a lot of noise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. like it i don't know if you just heard then but our roof pops all the time you hear everything
0: you do everything do do you um do you have a pop filter how do, do. you like?
1: turns Would out you? i pop an awful lot though so too much spit
0: <laughs> oh, yes. well, we all do that's right the pop the pop filter is very handy but those hard peas and things but yeah i mean that's a natural thing and it's 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 probably something that most people wouldn't appreciate if you're doing a a recording it's actually really hard work yeah and of course the more conscious you become of it the, the harder it gets too yeah so what made you decide to do that to do an audio an audio, audio version
1: um there's there have been a few different phases of writing where i've just suddenly had this moment of awakening of oh actually i could probably have done that myself um the last line La d was originally i think maybe double its size. And I paid a lot of money for an editor to look at it for me and tell me things that really I could have worked out for myself. I'm a teacher. I edit other people's work all day for a living. Why was I not doing this? Um, So I was able to to chop that book down by half and stop blubbering on about things that didn't matter and get right to the story. Um, And then my next phase was paid money for covers to be made. Um, Now, it took a lot of work for me to be able to communicate, is This is what I want? Can we change it to this? And then I realised I could just buy the images and try and learn for myself. Spent a lot of money on someone to read out an audio book for me. Realised I could probably have done that myself too. So that's um, my moment of awakening at the moment that I can try things for myself.
0: I love listening to, to books. I listen more than I read these days. I struggle to read Um just from a focus point of view, I,
1: you know, I, sort of,
0: I, get, I fall asleep. Yeah, I'm getting older, Shelley, as it turns out. Um, and um, I do like to read a, a paper book as opposed to a, a digital one. I, I learned the hard way with my first, you know, Series 1 iPad. When they fall on your forehead, they're <laughs> quite painful. <laughs> uh, but, and, I, and I tend to fall asleep. But I do love to listen to books, and I particularly like it when the author does the narration. It's... It actually just adds an element to to the reading that you never quite get from, you know, a third-party narrator.
1: Mm, I think I'm learning a lot as I'm doing it. I feel like the editing is massive for me this time round because um, maybe I wasn't as experienced at trying to slow it right down or... um, as I was making mistakes, you could just hear the frustration in. <laughs> I'm, I'm editing out all these annoyed sighs at myself.
0: Just um, doing outtakes.
1: Oh, I know, but it would, as I said, mostly be spit bubbles, so no one else would really enjoy that.
0: <laughs> an hour and fifteen of spit bubbles, my yeah. <laughs> Well,
1: on YouTube about rainfall. I'm sure someone would.
0: Enjoy. Shut up. <laughs> I'll look at his notes. It's part of the, the, the joy of doing your own stuff. I mean, I do my own recordings and stuff, as you know, and um, I've had to learn those skills. Those skills never go astray. Um, and as, as, you know, the diamond mine is part of, you know, the, the, the Rough Diamond Academy and community, and what we're about is, I guess, trying to help people to learn the skills so that they can be self-sufficient, you know, for for web marketing, etc. Yeah. By the same token... I'm certainly not opposed to outsourcing and having people, you know, hiring people to do stuff. Yeah. But I always think it's really good to learn the skills yourself so that when you do hire people, you know what they're meant to be doing. Yeah. So you can actually delegate the tasks that you need done That you, that is better to get done out, you know, as an outsource, but you can control it because you understand it yeah. as opposed to handing out tasks that you know nothing about, in which case you're kind of abdicating that whole, process to someone, you've got no idea whether they're doing the right thing by you or not. So I think it's great that you're learning those skills um, and that you'll have an an understanding of it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a brilliant thing, um, for
1: sure.
0: Hopefully there'll just come a time where, you know, you're just writing full time and then they'll take you into a studio to record the narration and off you go and it's someone else to do the editing and all all the hard work. But you'll you'll appreciate it.
1: I would really appreciate
0: it. <laughs> I'm sure you would, I'm sure. So ha- you mentioned to me off uh, off chat before we started that you had been doing some editing over the weekend. <laughs> uh-huh. and, I, and I raise this really because, you know, as as an author doing your own audio version, you're self-employed in the you know, it's like running a business. There's a lot of work in this that people never see. So how long did you spend editing a
1: 30 minute. So yesterday I started at 12pm um, and continued on until 2.30, stopping, 2.30 in the morning, stopping for one hour for dinner and only achieved 30 minutes of editing. I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> no?
0: So that's what about 13 hours of work for 30 minutes of edited copy. No. That's a massive task. And I think you were saying the book's got, 70,
1: 75.
0: 75 chapters, mm-hmm. roughly 20 minutes each.
1: Yeah.
0: That's a lot of hours of it. Okay. So that's, I mean, incredible.
1: I'm the kind of person that once I've got something that I'm working on, I want to do it, I want to get it done, and I just want to focus on one thing at a time. But this is a hobby, so I can just, like, there's no rush. <laughs> I can spend hours. <laughs>
0: no, great skills to learn. And, um, as I said you you never suffer from learning the skills and then at some point you know hopefully you can let them go and let someone else take care of it because you don't need to do them. So speaking of doing things yourself, so the self-published or through a publisher how are you how are you doing your books?
1: So um, they're all so I've got a children's series I've got The fantasy series, there's a few books floating around. They're all through Amazon, so self-published on um, KDP. So you can just go up to Amazon KDP page and it says basically once you've uploaded all your details and all of that jazz, upload your book. Um, You've got to get the formatting right. You've got to get a number of things right before they approve it, but anyone could do it. Um, the thing that I'm struggling with as an Aussie author, though, is um, the books are printed in America, so you have to order the hard copy books on the American site, but then they only sell the ebook through Amazon.com.au. So there's different platforms, and America is a little bit temperamental in shipping to Australia. Um, if they're not getting big demand, then they just weren't listed as available. So yeah, I've had a lot of trouble with trying to um, get things happening for Australian readers. So originally I always thought that it was just going to be an ebook and I was just going to put it out there and it wouldn't matter. But most people want the hard copy book, even though it's so pricey. So it's so frustrating to say, okay, it's released. And then everyone to say, we can't get it
0: (laughs) what's pricey
1: well by the time you pay for the so it's American dollars then it's the shipping cost it it racks up so if I could recently I just got so frustrated that my readers couldn't get the books and they were spending so much and then they were all excited to tell me they'd bought them and how much money had I personally made and I would say well probably a dollar So I looked into a publishing company that works with the author. So you pay, they publish. It's called Shoreline Publishing. So hopefully I'm going to phase out or keep just as a side, kind of like as a first edition, all the ones i have already published and Shoreline's going to revamp them and push them out there for Aussies.
0: Right. So just in Australia.
1: Well, they, they actually do worldwide, but my frustration oh, is that my readers live in Australia and can't buy the book.
0: <laughs> it's tough. We've got them. We're right.
1: Doesn't matter about anyone
0: else? We've got them here. You good. And we've got first edition.
1: I can't even order them. Isn't that? That's just crazy. Oh, oh.
0: Yeah, it is. I do understand the frustration because um, my CDs come out of uh, New York. As well so they're they're actually printed there and they have to get shipped here yeah which is a pain
1: yeah with (laughs) Uh, time and
0: time so you're looking at weeks and weeks yeah Uh, the cost isn't too bad it's it's pretty reasonable but once again it's American dollars so that if the the Aussie dollar tumbles Mm -hmm. as it has done from time to time you know it's suddenly it's your margins are gone
1: were they Did they arrive pretty well packaged
0: or was there any damage or anything? The odd, odd, you know, they're in crystal cases, they get cracked. I mean, ideally, as an artist, I would love to have, you know, uh, more environmentally friendly packaging. You know, I'd like to have more of the the cardboard or the, you know, rather than the plastic, but you've got to be pragmatic. It's unless you've got a big market and I don't at this stage, it's impractical, but maybe one day. So it's the same sort of thing. You've got to get your books out there any way you can.
1: Yeah. So how long have
0: you been doing with this publishing?
1: This is all very new, <laughs> very new. Um, they're just working on the last linearity with me at the moment and they're hoping later this year that that will be released.
0: So they take care of the distribution the whole the whole, the whole lot.
1: Yeah. So. And do um, you make
0: more money, Shelley, out of this?
1: Hopefully, yeah. They seem to think it's... Yes, they seem to think so, um, but I guess I can only see time or tell.
0: I hope so. It's, 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 it's a, I don't know, a bit of a beef with me with with artists that they get so very little from their work, you know. Yeah. Um, with publishing or all those people or distributors, they all make their money, but
1: yeah.
0: um, it can be, you know, I know musicians who get you know, maybe 60 cents out of a sale. Yeah. Um, which is crazy, right? Yeah.
1: Um, Especially when how much money you pour into it to get yes. to get it running,
0: yeah and, and not just the money the the years of writing <laughs> that mm. like that dedication that you've put into writing a series and you know um, you don't necessarily get the returns. So that's certainly a lot of dedication to put in. Yeah um, So I certainly hope you get more out of this. <laughs> no, i tried that. Gotta try it. So this is the dystopian one. You mentioned a children's series. Now I knew about the I knew about obviously the the fantasy. I knew about the dystopian one. Um because you put out a little thing about naming it. So I knew that was coming.
1: Yeah.
0: And I knew about the
1: Darkling. The,
0: the dark, is the erotica one, right? Darkling. Let's let's call it what it is. <laughs> I, knew. Uh, I knew about that. Um, but the children's series, tell me about that, a little children's stories.
1: Um, that was, so in any way, it just seems like my writing is just whatever I'm thinking or coping with at, the, at that moment. And um, when COVID happened, <laughs> um, things are really kind of up in the air with school. No, The unknown was really getting to a lot of people and I just decided that I wanted to try something different and um, I had a go at illustrating and it was lots of fun. Um, That's going
0: to be my next question. Is it an illustrator? You've just answered that. So you've illustrated it yourself.
1: Yeah. And one of them's a, a book of it photographs. Um, it's called the, oh, my gosh, what is it? Oh, it's about my crazy dog, Ace. It's <laughs> everything he's done.
0: I know a little bit about your crazy dog, Ace, because I've seen photos on, on, the, on, on Facebook.
1: He's the apple of my eye.
0: How old is Ace?
1: He's it's just a over pup. a year. It's a pup. Yeah.
0: What sort of dog?
1: He's called a Finnish Laphund, So he looks kind of like a um, blue heeler, Pomeranian and um, Samoid. <laughs> that's,
0: that's an interesting mix. Does he it, does it have the energy of a blue heeler?
1: Is maybe it... just knock it off. Like if, if we were saying energy out of 10, maybe he's an eight.
0: Nice. Wow.
1: <laughs> And I'm probably on the
0: best day of three. So, <laughs> yeah, nice, nice speech. You've chosen well. Uh, <laughs> dogs are wonderful. If if my wife is listening to this, Nadia, if you're listening, I would love a dog. Stop resisting. We all need one. There you go. I'll just pop that in there quietly. Sure. Interesting to see if that gets back.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, would love a dog. I love dogs. Yeah. One day. I'm agitating. We we'll get there. So's always. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Surprise.
0: Surprise. Yeah. Look what I put you, did. <laughs> we could do that. Uh, very good. Um, so when will the publishing start? we the are
1: hoping that they'll be announcing it, I think, in September, but it'll be released in December at this point. So,
0: so ready for Christmas, people. Yeah. So we we'll definitely put all your all the links when we have them and uh, you know whatever up so that we can we can um, point people to your work where they can buy them. So we, we might uh, work out what links are the best for now. We can always update them later as well um, when we have them. See if we can get some sales. I mean, it's that's, that's what it's all about.
1: Thank you.
0: I have to support local talent. Have to support talent. Full stop. To be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, excited for that. That's great. And that was a bit of a change since last I spoke to you that uh, it was all self-publishing. Mind you, a lot, of, a lot of wonderful authors start self-publishing. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Matthew Riley.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I, I like Matthew Riley's work. They're, they're that fast-paced
1: yeah.
0: sort of read. Um, I'm trying to remember who he based his style. It'll come to me. Um, but... He's, he's a his very first book, I think, it was called The Contest. Yes. Have you read
1: that? Yeah, a while ago, but yeah. It's a good read. Right?
0: It's a fun read. I really like that book. Um, but that was, he originally did that as, um, I'm pretty sure, Matthew, feel free to, to call me and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but he originally did that as a self published work that he actually, you know, got printed up, took around to local bookstores and sold. People remember bookstores mm. and actually sold you know, directly on consignment. And then he was eventually picked up, you know, by a publisher and the rest is history. Um, yeah, good. So you never know where these things will lead. Exactly. I look forward to talking to you in a couple of years.
1: Let's see. I'll have a few more grey hairs by then.
0: Well your assistant will be saying, Well, you know, Mr. Fuller will, you know, she's very busy. We'll see if we can, you know, give you a 15-minute slot on your
1: wardrobe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's next?
1: What's next? Well, mm-hmm. Finish this audiobook. Um, I think at the moment, so normally the the creative burning desire is there to to get something new out. And that was I've done that with um, writing these different stories. I've done that with illustrating. I think at the moment now, I'm just interested in going over the stories in audio form and seeing if I can do better each time I'm recording. Um, like I'm happy with how it sounds, but I think I have I could make things easier with the editing um, in the initial phase. So let's see if I can do that for the next time.
0: So I'm going to come full circle. I mentioned that we're in lockdown here in Melbourne um, at the moment, um, so we really can't go anywhere very far for very long. So you're home at least, if you're following the rules, and I'm sure you are, Mm -hmm. uh, Three hours a day at least. Yeah. Has that led to more creativity or has that hindered creativity? Because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why.
1: The create oh I think everyone's feeling a bit lackluster and flat at different times at the moment. So um, it's this time has been um, like a coping mechanism. The creativity is a coping mechanism, or it's something that is dying. So I'm going from one day going yes I need to get things done. I need this as a project to distract myself, um, or I can't be bothered doing anything i need to be a slug (laughs) so i think at the moment everyone's probably feeling like that and i feel like i jinxed the world and i'm really sorry guys but how many times in my past did i wish that i could just be left alone to get some writing done and now i'm like i'm sick of being left alone (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm sure you're not the only one who's who's um, had that thought. So I'm not going to not going to blame you for it, Shelley. It's all good. And, and as someone who, as I said, likes the isolation in that creative space, I'm probably every bit as guilty. So it's so certainly not going to uh, hold you responsible for it.
1: <laughs> I just wish that that we all did have um, the drive at the moment, but the situation's kind of dampening it a bit because this is the moment that all creative people really. Should have the moment to shine and develop and not feel guilty about it but we're all really tired
0: well i think it's interesting actually that's uh, you touched an interesting point i've heard this a lot you know this sort of thought that somehow because we're in in you know isolation or lockdown or that we should be being more creative it's that time you know where you get to to spend but it's not that simple. It's not that simple to turn it on, you know. Like, it's not like a switch. We go, oh, good, everyone's gone away. I'll just suddenly be creative.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it doesn't work that way. I know with me, I'm, obviously, I'm often more creative when it's inconvenience I know. than the other way around. Yeah. Like I'll have all day home on my own and I can't get motivated to do anything or nothing comes or triumphs, not in the zone. Yeah. Suddenly people walk in the door and I'm like, i got an idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: So it doesn't kind of work that way, at least not for me.
1: No, I'm the same.
0: It's almost as if sometimes the conversations that you're having or the things that are going on around you yes. cause the the synapses to start firing and then you start to drift. Or at least I do, I start to drift, and people like, you know, Earth to today, Earth, where are you? Because my mind will suddenly take me in a different direction. That and it's inconvenient, or I'm just about to off to bed at night and suddenly I had this idea like damn you know yeah.
1: so I don't know I think it's the um the whole you know if you're going off to hang up the washing or something out of the goodness of your heart it's different to when someone says can you do that <laughs> I think similar with um, creativity oh, really? when, <laughs> when you don't have to um when when you've got the time for it there's no pressure or no spark there but then when when that's taken away from you you resent it and you're obliged to be somewhere else and you wish that you could be doing what you want to do
0: yeah you may have something there i think it's a a really good analogy
1: we um we butt heads against obligation
0: (laughs) rebels at heart that's what we are
1: exactly daydreamers
0: daydream there's nothing wrong with daydream and I remember as a young guy being told all the time that I was a daydreamer Mm. Um, and like as if that was I look back and go so was that a compliment or were you because I look at it as as a as a good thing
1: yeah
0: as an adult and I think back so that daydreamer as a child became the big dreamer as an adult and those dreams have led me to do things Mm. dreaming is not only um, okay, it's essential. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I think daydreaming's just fine. <laughs> so, my friend, I want to thank you for your time. I won't keep you anymore, but I say keep dreaming, keep daydreaming. It's, it's, to be honest, I can't believe that I didn't know all these years that you were writing. <laughs> and um, I think it's an amazing achievement to have written one book, let alone a series, and then other books, and, and to do that all while working at a demanding day job because teaching is demanding okay. on both the energy and time. And I, I think it's, it's an incredible thing that you, you're doing and I really want to encourage you to keep doing it and to um, yeah keep pursuing. I think it's just brilliant. It's an inspiration.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for talking to me.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for talking to me. And as I said, we will put all the appropriate links so that people can get a hold of your work and support your work um, on our socials and pages etc so people have to come and find it I keep I, I've got to keep remembering that not everyone sees the video I was going to say down below <laughs> and people will be listening to whatre saying what is it yeah. but anyway we we will have links somewhere come and seek them out people <laughs> to your work and um, you know and uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch and um, All the best and thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you. You take care. Take care.